I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring the Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Eric Rubotterman is here with us this week. Eric, how's it going? I am freezing. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's cold everywhere. A lot of snow up here. and um, I think our other guests can relate to that as, as well. We've got Ryan Black of the Manhattan Mercury joining us again. Ryan, how's, how's the weather in Manhattan? Uh, it's also very cold. I guess I should have probably asked Luke or, or Eric. I don't know where he's. Eric, where are you at? Are you also in Kansas somewhere? I am in Fort Collins, Colorado. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, also another very cold. <laughs> another very cold place. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it is, it's very cold here, guys. This is the first time I was telling some people at work that I know of. I mean, I can't speak for when I was too young to let me know. This is the first time I know of that I've ever been in anything below like sub-zero temperatures when i moved here <laughs> on december 31st of 2017 i remember when i parked it was one degree outside that's what i said <sighs> in my in-car you know temp reading but like when i went out to get some food last night i believe at least showed in my car like negative four so like it's yeah. the first time that i know of like that i've ever been in sub-zero temperatures in, in my life <laughs> I, I woke Dang. up this morning and it was 13 below on my phone and i decided today was going to be a sweatpants and hoodie work from home day <laughs> Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't I see him in Manhattan, one of the places where they're talking about potential rolling blackouts, at least? They did have some earlier today. I, I know that one of my coworkers at Manhattan Mercury had was affected, her and her husband. But I believe that I think that at least hopefully they're not going to have any more. I mean, everything, okay. of course, guys, is all subject to change. But, yes, I know they did have that in Manhattan as well as some other areas of, of Kansas today. Cause again, just the power grid was just, it couldn't handle the capacity of people tr- trying to use as much electricity. Yeah. Yeah. When you talk about that cold, um, I, I can't tell you if it got actually under below zero, but I can tell you when I was there in 2009, 2010, it got consistently cold enough that a friend and I went out and walked on Tuttle Creek Lake. So it was oh, wow. totally solid. That is chilly, <laughs> man. Yeah, that's that's cold for a long time. That's that's the thing with yeah. that. It, it's not that it's super cold. It's just it's cold for so freaking long that for a lake that size to freeze over. Yeah, right. one of my coworkers right. putting out these stats today. I guess maybe she saw it from. I think maybe one of our like the weather people who we speak with, and it's been it's been below freezing for. 269 straight hours in Manhattan, and I think something like it's been below 17 for like a uh, hundred something hours. I need to find those stats, but I, it was pretty staggering. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to go okay. make, make some hot chocolate. I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this is not a weather podcast. We actually are here to talk yeah. about Kansas State basketball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. 
Speaking of gold, Kansas State the basketball has been uh, struggling a bit. First of all, though, shout out to the women for winning the basketball game for the first time in 2021 for Kansas State. So. We're going to win now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got up. Uh, nine. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so Kansas State, and let, let's start off a little bit. I, I feel like in, in some ways the Saturday game was sort of a microcosm of, of Kansas State basketball because I think we saw, you know, some of the best of Kansas State this year during that 16-0 run. Uh, and then we saw some ugly basketball uh, a lot of the game. So I know it's going to be kind of an obvious answer, but, you know, Ryan, what was K-State doing during that 16-0 run, and then, and then why were they struggling most of the rest of the game? Well, I, I mean, I know this is going to sound kind of overly simplistic, but I put it in my game story. The biggest difference between the 16-0 run and every other kind of moment, really, almost in the game, was they made shots. Uh, yeah. Because, like, the stat like that I put in my game story was they didn't make – consecutive field goals at any point in the first half and then they made six in a row during that 16-0 run and then yeah. they only made consecutive shots one other time after that because yeah. i mean basically again and i know that's like guys right that's like the whole analysis of like well i think the team that scores more points <laughs> is gonna win. but like literally it's like when they were making shots that's when they were playing their best and then like you basically that you just look at that's how the game went it's k-state made it close when they were making shots but then the rest of the time when you're as ice cold as they were in the first half you know, eight for 24 overall from the field, 0 for 8 on three, and then even three for seven from the free throw line. I mean, man. I mean, it's not as if Oklahoma State was lighting the world on fire. I mean, Oklahoma State only shot 30% the first half, but it's just like, you know, K-State, guys, you know, and, and you, you know, both watched them this year enough to know is that is they seem to put together so many good halves, but it's like yeah. they just have put together good games. And that, again, in, in a conference as brutal as the Big 12 is this year, that's going to lead to what you're seeing right now. Uh, when we were watching the game on Saturday, I, I remember telling some folks that like we're good enough to win this game, but we can't buy a bucket right now throughout the first half. And that's, you know, run in the second half kind of proved it is like it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point that we're not going to win games because like, I, I see us actually getting better, especially over the last couple of games. And we just have something that doesn't click that doesn't allow us to get over the hump. You know, it's like if it's like a golfer going out and, you know, they either have a really good day putting or they have a really good day off the tee box, whatever it might be. They can't ever put everything together to really, to really affect their handicap. Yeah, no. And that's a perfect comparison. Like you said, you know, for instance, again, especially the elite players, like I said, they can have maybe one part of their game off and they're still going to place top 10, top 15, even top five. But you got to, to consistently win at the highest level, of, you know, of golf. I mean, you got to have everything clicking, you know. Yeah. And, and like I said, so that's that's why it's such a great comparison to to what you're seeing with K State right now. Yeah, yeah. The only other thing I would add, I mean, to to, to make shots, you don't have to take shots. And I think after the 16-0 run, K State had two straight turnovers that allowed Oklahoma State to go on a 7-0 run without K State yep. even attempting a shot. Yep. <laughs> and that's been kind of an issue a lot of the season. So. No, and, and and I mean that yeah. that's exactly right. You know, is that like you said? Is that that's that's the other problem K State has. And again, like you said, and you you literally hit it on the head. They have the 16-0 run. Well, then instead of just okay, you know, Oklahoma State stops it. And now they go back and forth. No, no, you know, Oklahoma State scores the next seven points in a row, and then now it's back to an 11-point lead. You know, and K State again from mm-hmm. there never got closer than seven, and that was on the last field goal of the game was the three-pointer by Antonio Gordon. So. It's that, again, they, they put themselves in so many positions to get there. They just have not been able to get over the hump enough. Right, right. But all that being said, I mean, it seems like for, for a little while we were talking about how 
the progress wasn't there and that was really concerning but it, it obviously they are making progress now I mean do you think the confidence is getting better for the team and then kind of along with that I think I saw I think maybe it was Kellis mentioned that you know the, the last two games were, were moral victories but this one kind of sick of those moral victories. yeah I mean I I guess you know probably and I know kind of what Kellis was was getting at with that tweet because they didn't actually say that specifically but what he's referring mm-hmm. to is that, you know, head coach Bruce Weber had said that he felt like, you know, even in the losses recently, they had gotten better. And, you know, because again, you know, for instance, you know, you, you look back at the Texas Tech game, you know, they're down mm-hmm. by five at halftime. They're down by six with only two minutes to play, you know, and then, you know, Texas Tech ends up winning by, by 11. And the same thing, you know, obviously you guys know that just the, the, the great comeback against Texas and gets within one mm-hmm. point. But uh, and then just again, they don't end up converting and getting over the hump. That's what Weber's point was about Saturday's loss. Was that again, when you look back at those previous losses I just mentioned, he felt like they they got better. They got better even in in defeat. He didn't feel like that with this lost Oklahoma State because especially of how flat they came out in the first half. And you know they just weren't expecting that. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and and you know that flat first half, I I and we've we've already touched on it, but it really just comes down to making shots because you know I wouldn't say that outside of outside of just not making shots that they were that flat. I mean, it was uh, yeah, they gave up thirty five points to Oklahoma State in, in the first half, and you know that's on track to to give up more than seventy in a game. But there was a lot of shots that Oklahoma State was making that were just – they were threes by players that you wouldn't expect to be making those shots. And so it's not even like it was a – it was like poor rotation or a bad defensive plan or that sort of thing. Like they just took advantage of some of the opportunities that we did give them. But, yeah, just not making shots. At the end of the day, it's about putting points on the board. And we go through way too many stretches, uh, even since we've gotten a little bit better, of just not being able to put points on the board. hmm Yeah. And, and, you know, guys, since, since I've been here covering the team, and I guess, you know, you can speak to it from before then, but, like, that's really the one thing, you know, that, about Bruce Weber's team at K-State. It doesn't seem like they've ever really necessarily been offensive powerhouses. You know, even, again, the team that went to the Elite Eight, team that went tied for the regular season championship with Texas Tech, you know, they had games where they, they went through long stretches of not scoring. You know, that, that the regular season shared title team, I mean, they had a game, you know, if you guys remember, that they played, and I believe they only scored – 17 points against Southern Miss. They made a comeback to win that game. And then, of course, every year they played Tulsa, which is a rock fight. You know, <laughs> it was that three-game season. It was the worst basketball I've ever seen every time they played. And so I'm just saying that, like, even when they've been really good, offense has been a struggle. And, like, it's even more exacerbated now when the defense isn't at the level what those teams had. Yeah, that's, that, that's, a, right. that's, yeah, really I think you... that's a really fair point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you don't have elite defenses to cover that up, it, it's tougher. Another thing I wanted to touch on is, um, you know, it seems that Kansas State is playing its best basketball now without Deshaun Gordon, without Montavious Murphy. And, you know, you'd like to think theoretically this team would be even better with those guys. You know, do you think that's the case? Or, or is it there's something that, that's making K-State play better, better without those guys? Or what, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Well... You know, God bless him because, I mean, you know, I, he, he's a really, really, really nice, conscientious kid. But, you know, Montavious Murphy just can't stay healthy. You know, guys, I mean, it's just that he's yeah. now two seasons sure. uh, these injuries that have just completely derailed his season. And so, you know, this year it's like he just played so little. I, you know, I, I mean, would he, would he help? For sure. 
Because, I mean, you know, Bruce Weber constantly talks mm-hmm. about the, the defensive presence the, and just like the, the smarts that he's got on that side of the ball. That would help this team a lot. A very similar kind of what, you know, again, what uh, Antonio Gordon is, is doing now. He just doesn't get quite the offensive game that Antonio Gordon has. So, I, like I said, I just feel like the sample size with Murphy is so small because of the injuries. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like you can even put him to the side and just say, okay, that's, you know, kind of not relevant to the discussion. With Dejuan Gordon, no, I mean, I'm certainly of the opinion the team would be better would be better with him, you know, because, I mean, heck, he's leading rebound on the team as, as a guard. And uh, yeah. he just yeah. he kind of finally, in the stretch before he got hurt, was starting to kind of realize some of the potential that we've seen in him, you know, because there's a stat that I've used a couple of times about him now, you know, that he – you know, his first 38 games at K-State had never had a double-double, and then he had it three times in 11 games heading into that Texas A&M game. So, uh, you know, I, is he ever going to be Barry Brown? Because I know you always talk about that's who he kind of looks up to, and, you know, he already wore number three. But like, he constantly talks about being the leader that Barry was and kind of being the guy that Barry was. I mean, they're different players. I definitely think he's a better rebounder than Barry. He's not the on-ball defender that Barry was. I don't know if he ever will be. But I, I just think that, the guys, that, that's what, in my opinion, that's what K-State – you know, you're about like, what are they missing the most outside of the rebound? I mean, he he just has that fiery leadership on the court, you know, and I just don't think you really look at any of the guys out there on the court right now who they throw out there. No one has that. Because you know, yes. Pat, they might not do Pat great, but he's a quiet and kind of soft spoken guy. They don't have anybody out there, anybody who's any, and even like Antonio Gordon, like they were asking about, oh, are you becoming a more vocal leader, you know, after Saturday's game. He's like, nah, that's, he's like, ah, uh, you know, I'm trying to lead by example. Gordon is the one guy on this team. Antonio, I'm sorry, Dejuan. There's so many Gordons. Sorry, Dejuan Gordon is the one guy <laughs> on this team like, who is this alpha dog, and he relishes that role. And that's what they're missing right now. Uh, and and frankly, that's something that they've been missing all season. Even when Dejuan was out there, I would say that was the, mm-hmm. that that was the the component that's been missing this entire year that really hasn't allowed it to gel any faster than it has is just not having that on uh, that on floor general, uh, if you will. But the other thing mm-hmm. that I Dejuan Gordon would actually help out with is giving us another option other than Sultan Miguel in that kind of that big guard, small forward spot. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sultan Miguel was an absolute abyss uh, okay. against Oklahoma State. I mean, just having someone else that you can really put into that spot, you know, Kasugi's got the size to be to be there, but I, I don't think he has the athleticism athleticism to offset that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Selton Miguel was bad enough that he shouldn't have played the 19 minutes that he did, but we don't have a whole lot of other options in that particular spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen me say this on Twitter almost every game about him. I wish the coaches told him, like, you get one three a game. That's it. <laughs> and then you, 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 yeah. don't, you don't shoot otherwise. Because I, I know, you know, yeah. obviously people want to make the coach, so I say, like, that he does go to the rim sometimes a little bit out of control. But to me, that's a much higher percentage shot for him than the three-pointers yeah. are. You know, take away the, the, the game winner against Omaha, uh, you know, and he's just been a black <laughs> hole. Three. And so I yeah. – but, but that's my thing, guys. That's my other thing. Like, I think, personally, he's the most athletic guy on the team. Oh, yeah. I mean, like yeah. I said, nobody – has low by ability. No one at all can stay in front of him. And that's why I just don't understand, in a way – and this is a theory that I've told people, and I'm going to go back to, like, a guy because, you know, I'm, I'm from Georgia, and so I watched a lot of the – some very crappy Hawks basketball growing up for a while. There was some very crappy things in there. <laughs> but they had, they had Josh Smith, who was an unbelievable sure. athlete, absolutely unbelievable athlete. He won the dunk contest, could do like everything you want to around the basket. But he just had this bug in him that he was like, I'm going to jack up as many threes as I can. 
yep. which and I'm like, you know, maybe you can develop that one day, but like you're a beast around the basket and you're going to outleap basically anybody to, for the ball other than, you know, a prime Dwight Howard at the time. But he just never, he just refused to ever become that. He just never wanted to actually do the dirty work and just play more inside because he just fell in love with the three. And that's what I'm seeing out of Miguel right now. Because imagine that's where the analytics of the game show you know the you know only a three or blah blah blah. But like, hey, right now you are not a good enough shooter to be jacking up as many threes as you are. <laughs> Go to the hole and either you know make the shot or you know get fouled. But like the, 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 again, it yeah. kind of cancels itself out when again you guys would say, well, he does go out of control with the basket a lot. But that's just my two cents on on <laughs> but, Miguel and his kind of offensive philosophy. I, I actually asked if he could be a wide receiver because he's a hell of an athlete. <laughs> he's just not a basketball. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah. You well, you talk about the coaches, time. and uh, I was wondering. I mean, doesn't Bruce insist that that son Miguel is actually a good three point shooter? That he hits him in practice and and, and shoots it pretty well. Well, gosh, I don't really remember him ever saying that about Felton specifically. I mean, he certainly constantly, okay. and it kind of became a little running joke on the beat, was that, well, you know, Nigel never misses in practice, you know, and they're in a while in the games, so he couldn't make it. You know, of course, he, he came alive against, against A&M. Yeah. But, like, uh, and he's really shot well since then to that point. But, but yeah, it was, it was definitely Nigel that, that Bruce would constantly talk about making okay. him in practice. He never, to my knowledge, has never said that about Felton unless for some reason I've not been listening okay. closely okay. Yes. Maybe yeah. it was I was thinking of the announcers were saying like he was a decent three point shooter in high school. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about. That's, that's possible, yeah. Yeah. I mean Silton is solidly in the uh, there's a reason you're open, bro. bro. Yeah. 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 Yep. I guess so one more thing before we get to talking about Bruce Weber and his job security stuff. Well, first of all, let's start just a entry question here. Do you have any insight as to whether the Iowa State game will be rescheduled or not? You know, I was talking with somebody about that last week, and I guess they were under the assumption that it was going to get uh, – there was going to be some kind of, you know, concrete news on that. And I think, you know, the Big 12 was still shuffling a lot of things around the time, you know, not just with men's, but, of course, you guys have probably seen all the women's games they rescheduled. Uh-huh. Again, I think if all that had not occurred, there would have been some kind of concrete announcement last week. But as of right now, I know it's still kind of up in the air and – and, you know, guys, I do kind of wonder, you know, not that I'm giving you the most unbelievable insight ever, but it, it is that, you know, the games that Big 12 is going to make the biggest effort to make sure they reschedule are the games that affect, you know, the final, you know, regular standings. And certainly a game between the ninth and tenth place teams is not really going to move the needle. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then, but you know, of course, I'm sure. Ninth and tenth place teams. I mean, that's important. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I was going to say, you know, that certainly the big push, I would think, would be from, you know, from Gene Taylor to AD, where it's like, well, hey, you know, we we still want to get some beer sales out of this. We still want to get some money. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's not, you know, much, you know, compared to what it would be if, you know, Bramlage could be filled to capacity. But, like, at least that's, you know, that's money they wouldn't get otherwise from people showing up and buying concessions. So that, that that's why I'm sure, again, on K-State's point, uh, they would still want to try to reschedule it if at all possible. Yeah. Well, what I think is tiebreaker rules. If Iowa State and Kansas State don't beat anyone else, and if Iowa State were to beat Kansas State, so both teams finish one and seventeen, then it would just be a random draw for the nine seed. So that would be fun. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I guess what Kansas State you know, could, could wish for is, is again, you know, they could beat Iowa State in the regular season finale like they did last season, and then win their first Big Twelve game in the tournament and, and then have the season ended again. And so they can end on another two game win streak. Going into next year. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. But either way, so 
I mean, obviously, if Iowa State game happens, we feel like that's a game that Kansas State could win. But so let's, I mean, but for the rest of the, the remaining at least five games, what does success look like for this team? Eric, do you want to take that first, or is this a question for me? That's a really good question. The remaining five games, uh, well, so and right. that's okay. So we're gonna we're gonna work under the hypothetical they are gonna play Iowa State. Is that right? Because well, no. Oh, remaining five games means a game in Kansas City. Uh, first, first. Okay, game. I want to make. I just want to make. I just want to yeah. make sure that. Yeah, I want to make sure that was yeah. what we we meant. I mean, the reality is we're playing. The the reality is we got a home game against KU. We go on the road to TCU. We've got a home game against mm-hmm. uh, a top ten o, OU team, and we've got a game in Morgantown. It's, I mean, one and four is the abs or one. I would say one and four from here out is probably the absolute. Well, solid. but then you probably get TCU again in Kansas City. So, you see, TCU is winnable. Maybe you could beat them twice. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I would. What I so what I've seen over the last couple of games, we are good enough to beat TCU, whether or not it's a road game. And and the the nice thing about you know if there is a nice thing about the the whole coronavirus situation is a road game really doesn't matter that much. Yeah. What I've seen over the last couple of games, we're good enough to beat TCU as long as we can make some buckets. If we go through another, uh, you know, entire half where we make four baskets, five baskets, whatever we did against Oklahoma State in the first game, in the first half on Saturday, we're not winning another game. But I, I have <laughs> seen enough progress to know to, to to say that yes, we we can legitimately beat TCU. I don't think we can legitimately beat any other team on this. Uh, uh, on the rest of our schedule. And that really hurts my feelings knowing that KU is coming into Manhattan on Wednesday this week, because this is the worst Kansas university basketball team I have ever seen. Period. Yeah, they're, not, they're not good. They're not yeah. good at all. Really <laughs> seeing them in person. I'm like, wow, this is a, this is not like the KU team that, you know, I, I would expect to see put on the floor, you know, no, I, like I'm going, I, I'm going back to you know back into my youth when I was first starting to watch college basketball with any seriousness. So you know, going back to the KU teams that had players like uh, going back to Jacques Vaughn and Jared Haas and and some of those guys. Like I've got you know a solid 25 plus years of seeing KU basketball under my belt. This is definitively the worst KU team that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh, well, I guess you know. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just saying. Oh. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's all I was saying. Yeah, I was just gonna say that you know, kind of to, to answer the, the question that you posed, you know, about what success looks like over the next, you know, five games and maybe six again if, if Iowa State does get rescheduled. Um, I like I said, I I gotta agree. You know, I, I think you know you get you get one win out of it would be would be success and I think anything more than one win would be great, you know, for K State. Now like if if they do get if they do get <laughs> Iowa State, then you, know, you would say that goes up, you know, yep. by one yeah. in each category. Because I would just say that if if, if I mean I and, and you know guys in a way I've kinda of joked with some people like, do they really want to reschedule that Iowa State game? Because man, you know, it's like what if they lose that oh, and, oh man, you know, that's like you think things are bad for Bruce Weber right now. You lose that Iowa State yeah. team here in your right finale. Oh man. Man, he might not even be able to really leave the arena. Like, yeah, it, it would be like really, 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 really bad. If um, we were schedule Iowa State and we yeah. do lose that game, I think the remaining parts of our uh, of our conversation here are going to be moot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
but I, I will say this, you know, to your point about the TCU stuff, you know, really ever since I've been here, that's been a game that no matter how good or bad each team is, it is always a close game. You know, and I, and I, I look back here at the history. Uh-huh. The last time they had a game that was decided more, by more than 10 points in this series it, in term, was uh, back in 2016 when K-State won by 25 in Manhattan. Like, you go back and look at all these other games, basically all of them were within 10 points or less. And most of them far closer than that. Most of them far closer than that. So, I, th- I, that is definitely to me, you know, like you said, a winnable game. Again, maybe a winnable game again if that's what happens where they go to K- KC like they did last year and beat TCU. And you guys might think I'm crazy, okay? You guys might think I'm crazy, but I've told people this. Of the other th- – okay, let's ask this. Of the other three games, what's the most likely one where they could pull the upset in your opinion? Again, not counting Iowa State because we're not – See, I, I want to say I shock you guys with my answer, by the way. Logically, I want to say Kansas, but I also remember that Long Kruger hasn't won in Manhattan yet, so I almost want to say that game actually. Luke, <laughs> he might be on something here. I, I was also going to say that I think that I think out of the other games left on the schedule, the most winnable one is the home game against W. Well, yeah. we're all gone it, man. I guess you guys didn't. I thought you guys were all. We're going to go. <laughs> Honestly, uh, but no, it's like my my it's, that's my opinion is that you know, like hey, I saw you know all the build up for Trey Young coming here in case they forced him into ten turnovers, and, and of course I've heard about when they upset mm-hmm. a top ranked OU here. Uh, whether it's guys that again, Lon Kruger just doesn't have it in his heart to beat K State because it bleeds it bleeds <laughs> purple or whatever. It just does not seem again since I've been here. I do know I've heard about the the twenty seventeen or maybe everyone thought Bruce was going to get canned and they lost by like 30 in, in Norman. <laughs> but since I've been here, there's never been just like a time where Oklahoma just came in and, you know, took K-State's lunch. And so that, that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just think, you know, as bad as the game was there last month, that would be the game if you say, can they pull an upset against the other three teams? KU, I just, there's, you know, I, just, I don't see it. I don't see it. And then West Virginia, zero, <laughs> zero chance, I'd say. Other yeah, than the fact that yeah. people, you know, you give them the 1% chance because there's no such thing as a fiscal, impro- you know, 100% probability, but um, I don't see that one happen. Like I said, I would say of the other three, yeah, you know, Oklahoma would be would be my pick, even though some people would say on paper that looks like the most unlikely win. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, we are going to spend the rest of the podcast now talking about Bruce Weber and his job security because that seems to be – the hot topic in Manhattan right now. So first we'll take a quick commercial break. Be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And we're back. So let's start with Ryan, because you've, I think, done as well as anybody reporting this. You know, Gene Taylor has, I think it's, what, three times now that he's said he, he supports Bruce. Of course, mm-hmm. he would not be the first athletic director to say that and then fire his coach later. But yeah, the dreaded uh, I mean, just yep. exactly, exactly. But so with Gene Taylor, like on a scale of one to 10, with what confidence rating do you believe that from him? 
Okay, yeah, so one one to ten being ten, Bruce is definitely coming back, yeah. and one being right. Elijah, my favorite. Right. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, what I would say, guys, two, you know, you do have to take into account, well, when did he tell me this? You know, he, he didn't, you know, he didn't tell me this before the Baylor game, for instance, you know, and so <laughs> that was, and again, guys, that was what spurred me, you know, to ask him about, because, right. you know, again, I, I know, I mean, hey, guys, I'm on Twitter all the time, and certainly even more so during games, and I mean, certainly, man, during the Baylor, that historic Baylor loss, oof, boy, it was, uh, it was just chaos, you know, pandemonium among the K-State fan base, and I pretty much knew him, like, you know, because you always had, you already had the rumors out there where, you know, Bruce should be canned. He may, some people thought, of course, he shouldn't even made it out of last season, whatever you may think on that. Yeah. But, like, when you lose, because, again, they, they, again, they were already on the losing streak heading into the Baylor game. But when you lose at a, again, an unprecedented level in the history of a very proud program, a record that had <laughs> stood since 1934. So, I guess, literally, they were playing outside and the Dust Bowl was going on in Norman when they lost that game. <laughs> I mean, you have to, the AD, Bruce's boss, on the record about, you know, are, are you planning on bringing this guy back when you see how unpopular he is with a segment of the fan base? Because here's the thing. I mean, guys, we know this, right? I mean, the, the most unhappy people are always the most vocal, too. You know, usually if you're popular, you don't maybe need those people out there defending you because you're already popular. So, I mean, what segment of the fan base does that reflect? You know, I would say at this point, I'm sorry, a number – 70 percent of the K State fan base wants him gone. Am I? You think that's a little bit of a ridiculous percentage? I don't know. Or is that too low? Uh, I, actually I actually don't think it's no. that ridiculous. It, it might be a little yeah, bit. It might fair. be a little bit high if we're going to talk about people that that actively want him fired. I think mm-hmm. that I, I would say about ninety five percent of this uh, of the fan base right now is either indifferent or we'll see how next year goes, and down. Like I don't like. I think that the vast majority of, of K State fans right now are at the point where that leash is awful damn short. Yeah. 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 Yep. And so I'm sorry, I kind of veered off, guys. So um, on the one to ten scale, <laughs> you know, I would say you, you guys might think I'm the most gullible guy on the face of the earth. <laughs> I would say ten. I would say ten. At the time he told me, again on January 30th, when he told me that, I'm not basing it off of you know, us talking here, you know, half a month later. I mean, I'm talking mm-hmm. about when he told me the night of, of January 30th when they had, you know, hours earlier lost to, to A&M in the, tech, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I mean, because this is what I told, you know, this is what I told on, on another podcast I was on. You know, I, I feel like if he didn't believe what he told me, you know, that there would have been more of a pause or more of a way to talk around it. You know, more in terms of like, mm-hmm. again, guys, I asked him a point blank question. It was the last thing I asked him on the interview about, you know, what is your confidence that Bruce Weber will be the head coach at this time next season? And he said, you know, that, that's our intention. And he said that like I'm talking to you guys right now. It wasn't, you know, Gene, what are you, you know, how likely do you think it is that Bruce is the coach this time next season? And then 10 seconds of silence. Or like, well, Ryan, you know, we'll do our end of season evaluation. And, you know, we'll just, like he just said, that's our intention. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. and the thing about Gene Taylor, guys, He's a straight shooter. Like, you know, I appreciate that about yeah. him. Ha- after having been around more businessmen like ADs who, you know, they'll they'll tell you basically everything's fine and great and dandy when, you know, the sky is falling in real life. But, you know, Gene Taylor is a straight shooter. And, and I, I really think, again, when he told me that at the time, 
he he never he it didn't even cross his mind that 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 Bruce Weber wouldn't be retained. Now now again, guys, things have happened since then. I mean, they've continued to lose. They still have not won a game since that night that I talked to him after the A and M loss. But guys, I do think to answer your question, Luke, it was it was ten mm-hmm. at, at the time he told me, and I still feel, you know, where would I say that confidence maybe is now? Uh, eight and a half to nine. I I just think okay. you know, guys. I, I mean, I know he, you know, and he's kind of told me, him meaning Taylor, you know, that, that really the only, yeah. that there's nothing that can happen on the court that is going to get yeah. Bruce fired. Yeah. That being said, guys, mm-hmm. if they literally lose out and they set a record for, mm-hmm. for all-time losses for K-State, I mean, in terms of they already set the single-season record last year for overall losses, mm-hmm. but if they set the, the losing streak record, of uh, you know, which would be 16, and they lose out, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I – I mean, what do you point to for, you know, positivity heading into next season? I mean, again, I'm I'm as high on Nigel Pack and Davion Bradford and some of these other freshmen as anybody. But, man, I mean, if you end the season on, on what, guys, we're, we're saying that would then be a, uh, what, a 17-game losing streak if you don't, you know, depending on what yeah. happens with Iowa State. Oh, man, I mean, how do you – I just – I'm just racking my brain. Yeah, like, that'll be tough. That? How do you market that next season? Like, how do you even – you can't. Yeah, that, that's hard. That's you hard. can't. That's like a, hard. That's right. A, right. You, there, there yeah. is. And we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get into some more of that later. I did want to kind of follow up here on the, the Gene Taylor thing just real quick. Do you think the, the buyout, which I think for Bruce would be, you can correct me if I'm wrong, like uh, around a million after this season, do you think that's a factor at all? Well, yeah, like, yeah the buyout $2 million through the end of April and then – May first, it drops okay. to to one million dollars. You know, again, he he didn't seem to to say to, to me because I'll be honest, that was not I, I didn't really I didn't really go into the buyout part as much with him. I mean, to mm-hmm. me, the more important thing was mm-hmm. you know as, as you guys and, and you know, that's what I want to say. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here about this story, but you know, it would have been very easy for me to just like literally end the story after that first section where it's like, okay, Gene Taylor says come back. That's our intention. But to me, mm-hmm. you know, the, the real important stuff was the stuff Gene said in all the other parts. Where it's about like, here's what literal donors and big money boosters have told me. And like the yeah. fact again, guys, here's to me was the biggest thing he said the whole story in this interview. Was he literally said, Oh yeah, there's some there yeah, there are definitely some donors who don't like Bruce. Like straight up, they don't they don't like him. And I'm like, man, like why would you <laughs> why would you say that to me, the local the reporter for the local <laughs> fan record? Like you just say, Oh, well, you know, maybe the boosters are somewhat split, but you know, Bruce has done like he literally said there are boosters who don't like Bruce. And then you go into yeah. the fact that he talked about, well, hey, here's, you know, hey, maybe if President Myers ends up stepping in and saying, Gene, I know you like Bruce, but, like, you got to read the tea leaves here, and, you know, we're going to need to give him the boot. So basically he kind of – I mean, and he said that – I mean, he said in there that, that Myers, the school president, is not the type of guy who, you know, has an AD but then basically also wants to be the AD, where he's like a Jerry Jones type as up as the school president. I mean, he said that Myers is very hands-off. At the same time, guys, you know, it's a guy who used to be on the Joint Chief Staff stuff. I mean, I think if he feels like for some reason that, <laughs> that Taylor is being too bullheadedly loyal to Bruce to the detriment of the athletics department, maybe he would step in and say, Gene, you know, we, we just we need to move on from the Bruce Weber era. Yeah. So I'm just saying, guys, like that, that's what I'm saying. It's like I know it's so easy to only look at the first 400 words of that story and, and look at the that's our intention, which is what, of course, I did make the headline. But, like, to me – it was more about everything else he said in there. There are going to be all the factors that go into whether they would bring them back. That was far more important to the story. So, yeah. 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 Kudos to me, I guess. I <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. 
So I want to go on a quick quick tangent here. Sorry, since you brought up the, the Baylor game, yeah. I wanted to bring up yeah. one of my favorite things here. So I, I looked up when that happened, the Big 12 losses that were a greater margin than that. And one of them was back in uh, 19... 19- 98, the Kansas State team, it was not that great. Beat Missouri 111 to 56, which is pretty astounding by itself. But here's the more amazing thing a a couple months later, Kansas State went to Columbia and lost by 30. (laughs) I I challenge you to find (laughs) a home and home. What what is that big of a difference? That is, that is, that is incredible right there. (laughs) Yeah. The yeah. thing I can think of, guys, is that, that the K-State <laughs> women a couple of years ago lost – well, of course, actually, I guess that's not – actually, you know, because you're talking about, like, actually the margin difference between the two games. I guess yeah. I was talking about the fact yeah. that <laughs> when K-State lost at West Virginia a couple of years ago, the women's team, I believe they scored – it might not have even been 40 points. I mean, if it was, it was barely 40. And then they played here, and they mm-hmm. scored, like, 87. So it was like the just get the swing in the actual points scored versus one, but like I guess that's not uh, again that's not the same as what you're saying in terms of like actual yeah, margin. Still not as difference. high though, because K State went from one eleven to fifty nine, so that's slightly. No, higher. no, okay, but... that still would be would be a greater would be a greater difference. I mean that's man, I guess I'd just like to watch those two see what the big what the biggest difference yeah. was in the two. You know, wait, was that was that yeah, the year? Wait, what what year did you say this was? Nineteen ninety eight. So, okay, was that season? I believe that Missouri that would have been one of the games that prior to this Baylor game that was like the, the single game record for most three pointers against K State. Could Missouri be. hit like fifteen yeah. pointers in a game against K State, and I, I think ninety eight was the one that's in the record book. I don't have it in front of me, but I believe, and that yeah. was cracked if, if they get a hundred left. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was, it was K-State that got to 111, then Missouri won 89 to 59. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, still crazy. Anyway, back to the discussion at hand then. First, I want to start this by saying, like, at the start of the year, I was kind of of the opinion that, you know, we understand it's going to be a rebuilding season. This team is very young. It's a COVID year. There's nothing Bruce could do to you know, deserve getting fired at the end of the season. Not 100% sure I agree with that anymore. I guess let's start there. What is the case for Bruce, you know, being allowed to keep his job this season after this? Okay, season? do you want me to start this, or do you want to jump in, go, Eric? Go for it. Yeah, yeah you, you go ahead. Well, I, I, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, you, you take off the easy things first. Is this, you know, obviously the, you know, the, two, the two Big 12 you know, regular season championships, which, again, you know, no – None of the preceding seven mm-hmm. coaches at K-State even won one. And, you know, obviously the Elite Eight run would be the second thing you'd put up there. Or maybe you'd put that first, potentially, depending on maybe your preference between the two. But, you know, I think the bigger thing for the – but, again, guys, you know, at this point for a lot of fans, and that just in a way is so shocking to me that, that we're at this point where even doing things like that is not good enough because, like, wow, things have gotten so bad. But I would say what – you know, while mentioning those, Again, those accomplishments are in the past. I mean, the thing that you, know, you would make the case for Bruce coming back is the future in terms of depending on what you think of this freshman class. Because, you know, guys, I'm of the opinion that, you know, if, if they do get rid of, of Bruce Weber, I, I think quite a few of these guys will leave. And uh, that would potentially include Nigel Pack. And so I think it's, again, it's a matter of, well, if you don't think these freshmen are that good anyway, and 
uh, you know, no freshman's good enough to keep Bruce, then that's fine. You know, I guess, again, you've kind of cast your lot. But, like, if you're of the opinion, well, it's like, okay, not great, you know, not, not, not a great season by any stretch of imagination in any, anything. But if it means that we can keep a nucleus together that might be something really good in two to three years, you know, then, then you keep him. I'm not sure what kind of beyond that kind of what you'd want to add to it, Eric or Luke. Those are kind of the three things in my mind. Yeah, again, you said two big club titles, three date run, and then keeping, you know, a core of these young, talented players together for the future. So just, hey, hey, you know, guys, I, I have people who argue with me on Twitter, and I got, you know, kind of a little carried away because <laughs> I'm someone who I would admit I feed the trolls, and sometimes I get very heated <laughs> about things because I don't like – basically, I don't – Guys, I don't mind anybody criticizing me as long as I feel like it's valid. But, like, if you're going to criticize me and you don't have your facts straight or I feel like it's completely out of line, I'm going to call you out on it. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I got into a little bit of that the other night. But one of the things, uh, you know, that, that they would have said was – or, I'm sorry, that multiple fans said was like, well, hey, if we keep Bruce, there's going to be a mass exodus of people. And I'm like, uh. I mean, these are all guys that he brought in, and I don't get the sense that unlike Cardi Jada, who I like a lot, and I'll say again on another podcast, I loved him because he was an anime fan. We talk about anime. That has nothing to do with his on-court <laughs> Uh And then the other guys, guys, come on. I mean, outside of David Sloan, the other guys who left were like literal nobodies. Just nobodies. Yeah. Nigel Shad couldn't stay healthy. Again, he was taking up scholarship money to be on a, a medical red shirt. And then, I mean, of course, my joke about James Love, the only fight he ever showed in his K-State career was coming off the bench to throw a punch. Yep. Uh, and then – and then, okay, Levi Stockard, okay, he could have been here and started maybe, or he would have had some time off the bench, but it's not like he was this all-Big 12 player. I mean, the only guy, like Sloan, I think, would have started, or at least been in line to start. So that was a loss. And then if he could have kept his head on straight and maybe not had some off-court issues, you know, Sean, formerly Neil Williams, maybe could have been something. But the other guys who transferred, I mean, they were just, you know, it was best they moved on. They, I mean, they weren't going to do jack squad here. I mean, to me, they, again, the guys they brought in are going to be better than, than James Love or Nigel Shad or Stockard ever could have been. Yep. Yeah, I, I, agree. I, I agree entirely with, yeah. what you, uh, with what you said there as far as why you would keep him around. Um, you know, just going a little bit farther, he is the third winningest coach in K-State history. Mm-hmm. Part of that is uh, not by percentage, but by total wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, if, if you want to go back, People seem to have a fond remembrance of Dana Altman, and Bruce Weber's ability to win basketball games was, frankly, better than Dana Altman's when Altman was here. I think a lot of the fondness of Altman had less to do with his time here and more of his time to do when uh, in his stops after K-State, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But, you know, I think that uh, yeah. the, you hit the nail on the head with the nucleus of the group and the fact that most of them are probably leaving uh, if we were to get rid of Bruce. Um, yeah, you know, I that, think that was, that was what I was trying to make to the people on Twitter saying that, well, they're going to be transferred regardless. I'm like, yes, but I think there will be more of them and specifically Pat, who I think people view as, you know, the, the best of this class. Uh, he, they're more likely to leave if Bruce can versus if he stays. That's my opinion. Again, we never know if things could change, but uh, I, that's just my opinion is that you get rid of the staff, it's more likely there will be more transfers than not. And granted, you know, I'm not a person that's in the locker room or anything like that. But, you know, just watching these guys outside, you know, from from an outsider's perspective is you don't see the locker room issues that especially going back Mm -hmm. to the Marcus Foster years and and that sort of thing. You certainly don't see it anything remotely that bad. But even compared to last year, you saw some locker room issues and that sort of thing start to manifest. You just you just don't see it this year. The guys are just young. 
and Bruce is lacking that on-court leader that he has always had in his successful seasons. Yep. And, yeah. and doggone it, you know, Mike McGraw at least gives it his all every single every single game. Absolutely. And, and he, he's met with media constantly yeah. and, and always taking ownership. And so I can't say enough about him. But like you said, right now, it, I mean, like I said, you perfectly put it the way I would have liked to is that they just don't have that really fiery on-court leader right now that, like you said, when Weber's best teams have had that. And that's, that's what they're going to they're gonna have to have to get back to, you know, winning consistently at a high clip. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the only thing that I would add is, is something we've talked about before on this podcast is that, you know, Bruce has shown he can rebuild teams before. He did that once and created mm-hmm. a Bruce 12 champion. Yep. So I think that that's something too. And I, I was wondering though, you know, you mentioned the Big 12 title. You think there are some people that say, okay, Big 12 titles are, are nice and all, but does it really matter when the, both of those teams lost as four seeds in the first round? And I, I think, honestly, that's a little bit unfair because you're talking about you win a regular season championship over an 18-game season, and then it's just one game in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. But, I mean, do you think some people look at it that way and place too much weight on the NCAA tournament? Idiots do. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, was that boring? <laughs> <laughs> for me the ncaa tournament is there's just so much luck involved that it doesn't actually sh- like yes yeah. more often than not the best teams in the country will find their way deep in the tournament but i mean that's what makes the the ncaa tournament so compelling is there's so much luck involved that, that great teams can get knocked out early by teams that frankly have no business being on the same court so like <laughs> yes if you sit there and say you know, K State won a, a Big Twelve championship over eighteen, and then lost the, lost in the first round as a four seed, and you're upset about that. I'd be like, I'll take Big Twelve championships every damn season. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I, you know, I've always said that my opinion is that again, the NCAA tournament is the greatest playoff postseason there is, but it's also the worst at identifying the best team. Exactly. I, I mean, I, yeah. I like I have the numbers in yeah. front of me, but there's zero question in my mind. If you compare it to every other sport, every other major sport in America that has a playoff, you know, that's the sport where you get the, the best team over the course of the season has the lowest winning percentage. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you don't see the teams in the NFL playoffs, MLB playoffs that get hot, NHL playoffs get hot, but like, you know, I mean, heck, compared to the NBA guys, I mean, when's the last time you really had an <laughs> upset NBA champion? Because, I mean, again, playing a seven-game series, yeah. it's, it's a lot harder for the team that's not as talented to win four times. Whereas yeah. in the NCAA tournament, you only got to get one good game, get hot behind the three-point line, and you can shoot the other team out of the tournament. Yep, yep. And Even though nine times out of ten, yep. the other team would win, but you just got to win the one time. So and, and, yep. what I would say, too, about this, you know, this, this whole thing specifically with the, the most recent team, because, again, I, you know, I can't speak on the, the, the first time that they won the Big 12 and got knocked out because I was right. covering them then. But, you know, and I had a guy who, again, was basically convinced that I was carrying the water for Bruce for some reason. Because basically, and that's why, and that's why I mean, I, I like straight up this call. And I'm like, you know, hey, man, like, I don't have a dog in the fight because I'm going to be covering the team regardless if Bruce is back or not. I'm not like I'm going to, like, go into a depression and quit covering sports because Bruce Weber's not. Like, hey, I mean, I've got to move. So, like, there's this segment of these fans out there for K-State where it's like, if you don't say exactly what they think about Bruce, then, well, you're a, you're a defender of them. I'm like, well, no, just because I'm not saying that literally nothing he's done is positive. Because that's what they're saying now. I mean, there's some fans who say that, man, and you've probably seen it, is that they're like, the good that he did is not actually good anymore because now this is so historically bad right now. 
that it completely wipes it away, which I think is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And those people have really miserable lives, I guess, which is fine. <laughs> and I don't care about stupid songs. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm just going on fishing. So this yeah. guy, this who, by the way, you know, has on his profile, he's unapologetically liberal, and then he made like some stupid political thing about me. I'm like, I'm not even going to, you know, <laughs> just by this with a response. But is that um, he? He basically said, and again, this was me literally just replying to someone else. I didn't even respond to this one guy. He jumped in and said this. I just pointed out that, hey, you know, think about this, guys. Over the course of back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances, arguably K-State's best player, or at least two, if not one, depending on how you think about Barry Brown, Dean Wade played a total of seven minutes in five games. (laughs) Seven minutes. But then this guy's like, oh, you're just making excuses for Bruce. I'm like, Dean Wade was hurt. How is that making <laughs> – yeah. this is a fact that Dean Wade was yeah. hurt. Played seven minutes against Kentucky. That's all he Dean, played in yeah. five minutes of tournament game. And this guy said, well, I'm just That's trying Dean to – Dean Wade, like, current NBA player. Right. <laughs> yes, and so I'm just saying that, you know, guys, what I've – you know, what, what I'm just very curious about, and again, I want your guys' opinion on this because, again, you have much more repulsion on, like, the K-State fan base from having been around the program longer in that regard. I actually talked about this with someone else. Like, how differently would maybe this be viewed right now, if at all? Because maybe it would be. But if Dean Wade had not been hurt, and they beat UC Irvine, and then they beat, my opinion, Oregon in the second game, because you know Oregon, I think, was always going to beat Wisconsin. Yeah, you know, that was the uh, the four teams out there for that. Mm-hmm. Then they uh, hold on. This is the trivia question. Too, by the other way, do you know who they would have played if the seeds held in that tournament in Louisville? By the way, would have been where the Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight was. I do not recall. I don't know. I don't know. Who was it, Ryan? Well, it was a little team called Virginia, uh, you know, who ended up winning the national championship. <laughs> so I assume that's where the run would have ended. I'm not saying, of course, that K-State could not have won that game. But I, yeah. in my mind, you know, my mind's eye, I think of that game been played. K-State's really good defense. Virginia's a little bit better. K-State yeah. probably loses that game like 51 to 40. 51 43. That's probably what ends up happening. But then that means back to back seasons, you had an Elite Eight and then a Sweet 16. I mean, does that yeah. at all right now, if that had occurred, does that give Bruce more leeway? No. Some people say, no, hey, you can't have back to back seasons like this. Uh, you just can't. But I'm just wondering yeah. if that had happened, probably would not. people be a little more uh, accepting right now? Because I'm just, I'm yeah. wanting your guys' opinion on it. To be honest with you, I don't think it changes anybody's uh, opinion. Okay. I th- okay. Yeah. And the reason why is because you have those, like the people that you're sitting there conversing with that have such an issue with Bruce right now are the same ones that didn't like the hire to begin with and don't want him as a part of the, yeah. the program. And then you have other people on the other uh, on the other side of the fence, if you will, that are at least pragmatic about the situation or frankly think that he's a good coach despite you know the the results last year and this year so far that it's not going to make them more positive about the situation or anything like that so i actually don't think that moves the needle a bit yeah i think you're pretty right i mean i want to throw out a hot take here though i'm gonna say let's say that the 2019 remains the same but dean wade is healthy and k-state beats loyola to make the final four in 2018, okay. I think that makes that moves the needle a little more because just because of this mythical thing, you know, the way we hit the final four, no Frank Martin team ever made the final four. It's been so long since K-State yep. made it. I think that would have a better chance of moving the needle. Do you think that moves the needle or does it make a year like this year, make years like last year and this year just <laughs> painful? Yeah, maybe. You may be right. You may be right. Do you, do you, think, so. do you think they would have beaten Loyola if Wade was healthy? 
I like to think so, but I don't know. I mean, that was a it was a bad game for Kansas State. I mean, they got beat pretty handily yeah, in that one, so I mean, maybe not. I mean, I think we can always play the hypotheticals because that's kind of what we do. But like, guys, I know this is like one of those stupid, you know, like things where you just like you literally can't put stats or analytics. And it's like just watching that Loyola team, they literally did have that like team of destiny feel to it. That, that's okay. how it felt. Yeah, felt like that. that yeah, they were yeah. they were the Blues brothers. They were on a mission from God. <laughs> God. Yeah. Well, they were from Chicago, so again, they, you know, they they probably hated Illinois Nazis too. It's true. It's true. Yeah. But and, and, uh, Eric, I want to go back to something. We're we're sitting here playing hypotheticals about the NCAA tournament when we just got done talking about how it's the biggest luck crapshoot ever when it comes to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But Eric, I want to go back to something you said about, you know, those people who never like first from the start. And this is another thing, you know, we've talked about before. It's kind of like, I, I think everybody would agree, Bruce is not great at winning the press conference. You know, mm-hmm. that's something Frank Martin was really good at. It's not one of Bruce, you know, and I mean, you look back at some of the press conferences he had that the one at Illinois, he, he's really infamous for, uh, where he kind of just kind of almost broke down. You know, I don't know if he's anything like that recently, Ryan. And I think like like Steve Prom even like recently, right? Basically said, "Oh, I understand. If I don't win games, I should be fired." <laughs> that was kind of eye opening. But you know, at the same time, Bruce, you know, again, not great at winning the press conference. Do you think that's played a part in the, the fans turning against him or continuing to be against well, him in some cases? Well, again, you know. I, I do like seeding to you guys in some of these things because, again, yeah. you guys have been around longer and kind of know. But, I mean, the one thing that I know is this, this, this man, and from the day I got here, I kind of knew it was this huge running joke. Is I, I mean, just any time, you know, it's like he mentioned to play hard charts, where it's like that drinking game, take a shot kind of thing, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, I think that's yeah. just the most campy, like, grade school, like, you know, participation trophy kind of thing ever, right? Even though, I like, guys, I do think there's merit to it. I just think it's the fact that, one, it has that name, and then, two, it's the fact right. that, you know, it, he just brings it up so much. I, I think it, it was, if he didn't, like, name it, I think if he if he had just said, like, you know, I think what we used to always call, right, the little things, like, you know, he goes, he dives, he dives on the floor for the ball, and he deflects shots, and he just does all those things that, quote-unquote, don't appear in the stat sheet. Well, now that is what is the stat sheet because they've made that to play hard chart. I think that of anything yeah. he said, that definitely and repeatedly brings it up all the time. Like, I mean, I would say probably every other press conference that comes up at some point, he brings up play hard chart. And I just know the people, especially the ones who are his biggest critics, they immediately tune out after he says the play hard chart thing because they, they just roll their eyes like, oh, the play hard chart, of course. If we had just won the play hard chart, that game would have been completely different. All right. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the other thing I'll mm-hmm. say about him is I think that he's too honest for his own good. You know, he'll say things that like you're probably thinking, but like he just shouldn't say it. You know, and uh, yeah. yeah, I just it. And again, guys, and then it comes across as like whining or excuse making. He will like that. Right. Like he's never said anything like what you're saying. Proms it about. Well, hey, yeah, I should be fired. But he'll say like, and you know, guys, <laughs> I don't want to excuses but blah 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 and he was like well heck you know i mean you know what it's going to come across as you know then that's not an excuse that's just how it is you know that's like what he's gonna say you know so yeah. it's like people don't take well or you know like that old 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 south park episode they don't take kindly people don't take kindly excuses uh at power five school when you're getting paid the kind of money that bruce is getting paid so yeah i mean it's just one of those things where sometimes even though i mean hey it makes for good copy for us 
as reporters and journalists. But it's stuff that, you know, he probably just shouldn't say. And so I, I do think, like I said, the winning the press conference thing is, it has never been maybe a strong suit for sure. Yeah. Right. right. I, I certainly think that's a big part of it. I th- actually think that's a bit of a secondary issue. You know, I'm let's go clear back to when Bruce was hired period before he even had a chance to talk about play hard charts or making, you know, asking <laughs> telling reporters to go ask Fran and uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. <laughs> Bruce Weber was with a certain set of people was never liked from the get go simply because of his style, simply because of his persona and that sort of thing. You know, when if you go back to Bob Huggins for that brief year that he was here and then Frank Martin following him up, that was a persona that really resonated with a lot of people in the fan base. That visceral, in-your-face, work hard, just gutted out, you know, like hard work it will trump talent, you know, more often than not, you know, that, that kind of persona is what we had and we we had success with it. And, you know, the combination of a lot of those people being fans of, uh, of Frank Martin feeling like Curry ran Martin off and then came in yep. and hired this squeaky mm-hmm. clean, you know, basketball coach, not life coach, if you will, yep. by businessman, John Curry, like that was the death knell for Bruce Weber. Like, he got like he never got a fair shake with a lot of people in our fan base be, just because of that yeah. before before he even uttered the words you know winning the play hard chart yeah i think that's well I, and i would say eric too is that you know the one thing which which i'm sure got so much play when he was hired doesn't seem like he's been brought up at all since i've been here because i mean it's so far removed when he was hired but like just like what it had to have been like around here that like you literally are hiring Bruce Weber to come into this state that, you know, self has dominated and, and the big 12 as a whole, but just self. And like, this is the guy who Bruce replaced Illinois and then got fired. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like the dynamics of that. <laughs> but like you're literally now bringing in a guy. I got a funeral for Bill self too. One of the more unfortunate parts of Bruce's past. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, when he helped. Uh, I mean, I don't think that didn't help either. You just, it, whether, you know, it's fair or not, you know, it comes across as, well, you literally hired the guy who couldn't keep things going at the program that self kind of helped build up before he left to take over KU. You Absolutely. Know? And I yeah. think that, and I think for a lot of people that were, that are going to at least use a fact-based argument, that is a fair fact-based argument. Like, okay, so we're hiring. Yeah, he, okay. So he, uh, he had some success early at Illinois with self recruits and that sort of thing, but Illinois fired him for not being able yep. to win basketball games. Why are we hiring him to replace someone that, frankly, everybody that, – that, that a great number of people loved and we were winning basketball games with? Yeah. That's a completely – from a fact perspective alone, I think that, that was the, the argument against, uh, against Bruce Weber was hiring someone that just got canned from Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah, because the optics, the optics, optics are very bad. Optics are very bad. So, you know, and, and I think, yeah, I mean, I guess you know, we're starting to get into it already, but, you know, let's start turned. We've, we've made our case for, you know, why Bruce maybe gets treated unfairly, why you keep him around. So let, let's get into the case for fire and Bruce Weber. You know, if you were an athletic director, I was going to make that decision. I don't know. Well, the, the last season and this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Bruce is the, the first case they coach right? to go from first to last in the Big 12. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, that was, and that's one of those stats where, like you said, man, that's, I mean, like I said, some, maybe some other schools, like he would have been fired last year. Like you said, literally going from first to worst in one season. Again, it wasn't like it was a gradual, yeah. like where they went first to, to fifth to tenth. It was literally tied to first to, to tenth. I mean, it just, that's that, cause I, I remember, and maybe you're bringing up the exact stat, I just thought they were the first team since the Big 12 has been at 10 teams to do that, but I thought there was maybe a team at the very beginning of the Big 12 went for like first to 12. But I wouldn't be you you like might that. be right. Yeah. So I was I was but actually thinking of, I think I've looked up, as the first K-State coach to go from first to last. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was just thinking there was maybe one school in the in the 90s that went from, yeah. like, when, they, when it was still a 12-team Big 12, that went from, yeah. like, they tied for first to one year. And next year they either were dead last or tied for last. I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it who it was. And I might be making it up, guys, because you guys know I'm a big Bruce defender, so uh, <laughs> so I would make up stats. To make it like, <laughs> uh, yeah. But so the other thing is though, like I mean, last year was bad. Year is inarguably worse. You had the loss to Fort A State, and then you had just the, the margin of victories have been so much worse. Margin of defeat, I guess, in this case, have been so much worse. You know, but, but I guess part of it is how much does that matter? when you when you look at that kind of thing i mean it's it's hard to deny it uh i mean if i was if i was going to sit there and, and talk about a good reason not to get or not to keep bruce weber around i mean four and 27 in uh our last two seasons in in conference play so far uh yeah. that's four and 27 like we were making fun of tcu when they were going you know oh for one for in, in the conference play so if there was a reason to get rid of Bruce, it's that right there. Yeah. Yeah. And then one other thing that I, I think the movie doesn't get it brought up a lot, but I think it does irritate some fans is Bruce is three and 14 against KU all time. Two of those wins were in his first two years and he's even his best teams. Never. He's never won in Lawrence. You know, should that be a major factor when you're looking at? No. You know, I mean, it, should, it shouldn't be, but I'm sure it is. I'm, I, I don't think it yeah. should be. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, guys, you know, the thing is, you know, you guys know this stat now that this last win for KU was their 200th in the series. Well, Bruce Weber didn't lose all 200 uh-huh. of those games against KU. But a pin all that <laughs> lack of trust in KU on Bruce Weber is like really, I mean, you're really stretching sure. it if that's what you're like. Oh, because like yes, all the other K State coaches were just you know just beating the Jayhawks <laughs> like from. I mean, get out of here with that junk. Come on, <laughs> please. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about so it's uh, it's Monday. Um, and earlier today, um, two four seven Sports uh, put out an article, and I I don't have a subscription. I'll be honest, I didn't read the whole thing, but it seemed to be suggesting that Bruce's downfall is really the the two years of recruiting following the Dean Wade, Barry Brown, Tomorrow Stars class. And we've talked about it, how the, you know there hasn't been a lot from that group. Mm-hmm. But how much would you agree that, that that was his downfall, the inability to bring in talent in those two classes? Well, I mean, I think certainly well, – and, and I think, guys, this is what people would always tell you is, like, for instance, again, that, you know, that, that Elite Eight run. Well, I mean, that's not going to pay dividends on recruiting until the following year anyway. You know, by April, you know, of that time, you know, the 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 guys who are like in that very next upcoming class are probably already committed or they're about to commit. And so, really, it's not till the the class after that or even after that that you really start to see it. And, and I do remember that when they announced this class last year. But of course, you know, 
<laughs> as you guys know, they kept adding to the class after guys kept transferring out. But when they announced the initial, you know, four guys being Nigel Pack, Kasuki, uh, Bradford, and who was the fourth one at the time? I remember the fourth high school. Was, I guess it was Surrey, I think. Or no, was it? Sultan. Sultan. I think it was Sultan. Yeah, Surrey was later at. Point is, like, so when they announced them, you know, Bruce basically said, I think he even in his opening statement, which I remember we joked about, he had like a thousand word opening statement or something for that, for that class. It was, it was like after they beat somebody <laughs> at Bram. Like, so we, we ended the press conference and then like Bruce, like, we have an hour, take, you know, we'll do questions about the signing class today. Anyway, he basically said, you know, this class, you know, which guys, you know, on paper is the best class K-State's really ever signed since, you know, recruiting rankings became a thing. He said, you know, th- the reason this class was as good as it was because, hey, these were the guys who saw what the Elite Eight team did and what, you know, what they did the year after that. And so mm-hmm. I think, like you said, it's just, it, it's just the fact that they weren't able, I think more than anything, the recruiting is one thing, but I think it's more, it's just the fact they just weren't able to sustain the success from you know, there's two seasons that we keep referring to the last two years of, of Barry Brown, Dean Wade, and, and Kamal Stokes, you know, and I, I just don't really know, you know, guys, when you think back, I will say this, by the way, the thing where I will say I defended Bruce last year about why he shouldn't get fired, because again, you guys know, there were definitely people last year like, hey, yeah. like we talked about, you cannot go from first to worst, like that's unacceptable, there's no circumstances under which you should let a coach come back after that, especially mm-hmm. if you say that you're a self-proclaimed basketball school like K-State has been in the past, you know, and <laughs> you know, I've, I've mentioned this in a story once. Hey, you know, only 21 schools have more Final Fours than K-State, which is a very small number when you think about, you know, all the teams in college basketball. Yeah. But it, it, my thing was like, you know, it would be one thing, guys, if last season they were going out and just getting just blitzed every game. But, again, of those 21 losses off the top of my head, 11 of them were by single digits. And of those, like half were, again, five points or less. And, you know, most ones were, again, like – St. Louis, TCU were literally like one basket. Like they had a chance to win it on the final basket of the game, didn't win. So, it is, again, guys, I know that other people have the that opposite view. They're like, a loss is a loss, whether you lose by one point or 50. But my thing is like, hey, when you're in the game, I mean, that shows that you had a chance. But like, when I went back and looked at that 99-2000 team and those losses, I mean, look at how many of those losses <laughs> were like 20, 30, like that to me, that was just completely different than last year, and even this year, outside of you know, I mean, the, this the Baylor game has been complete embarrassments, and the KU one was bad because of what we talk about guys as being, I mean, the worst KU team Bill Self's ever had in terms of his talent alone or lack thereof, I guess, right? But I, I just do think there is something to be said for hey, it, it, it's one thing to go out and, and you know barely get beat, but it's another to go out and get your doors blown off, and and just for the most part, outside the games, I just. There have not been a lot of games where, where, where Bruce's team well, has been completely dominated. Yeah, you I mean, know, I, you I had totally that – basically that, that five-game stretch, right, where you had Oklahoma State, Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Baylor. Those were all real bad. Like the Texas one ended up being a lot closer than it seemed, and they still lost by 15. Oklahoma State, I guess, wasn't that bad. So it was it was more that, that four-game stretch. But that was as bad a stretch as K-State basketball as you're going to see. So, but that was that was also that was also a stretch where we were uh, where we were dealing with Nigel Pack being out because of COVID. Right. Yeah. We were struggling to put a team on the floor for those games. So uh, you know, it's yeah. And that Oklahoma State one was the one where they only had six players, and and Joe Petrakis played. I mean that that was that was the game where they only had six players available. 
Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and they, they hung around for a while on that one, which they was did. kind they of did. impressive. They did. <laughs> well, because that was the game where, again, they, they hung around the entire first half, and then the very end, Oklahoma State went on like an 8 or 9-0 run to like really stretch the lead. But like before that, I mean, it was – I mean, K-State, you know, I mean, I'm going to sound like an old – they played their little hearts out. And that was a, that was a scrappy little mm-hmm. team they put on the floor that day. But again, you know, they still was a loss. And like I say, guys, I understand there's gonna be some of the stuff I say on this, and you're gonna get on. You know, people are gonna comment. They're like, ah, Ryan, he's out of touch and doesn't understand <laughs> K State and all that. But I mean, I'm just telling you guys my thoughts on things, and I, I understand people are gonna have completely different opinions. Like I said, I know. Again, I, I am of the opinion, like I said, that I think when you lose on a last second shot. You know, that means, like, one play could have changed it. When you lose by 48, like you did, to, you know, to Baylor, there's nothing you can say. You just got – I mean, there, you can't defend that. Right. So, But, I mean, like I said, I just do know there's yeah. always that option. Like, I don't care if you lose, you lose. That, that's all there is. Doesn't matter. And that, that's the end of argument for, for some people. I just think that's – you know, guys, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm very much of this opinion, as you can probably hopefully tell. I like bringing nuance to things, and way too many things are like, no, it's either this or that in black and white. I, just, I don't – I don't like operating in that manner. Yep. Yeah. Context matters. And, you know, we just, we just mm-hmm. talked about it and I, and I don't, I believe me, I'm not using this as an excuse for the season and saying that results don't matter or anything like that. But, you know, just talking about those four losses right there where we're struggling to put a team on the floor because of COVID and, and, and everything like that, you know, it's, you, you at least have to consider it. You at least have to keep it in mind and, have discussions and form opinions based off of all the facts instead of just the facts that you want to acknowledge. Yeah. yeah. Can we agree that the, the most embarrassing loss of the season, hands down, is still Fort Hays State? Cause, oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that, I mean <laughs> yeah. Which yes. is right. It's crazy, right? Like you would never think yeah. when you literally set the record for largest margin defeat <laughs> that had stood for more than eight decades. But Gosh, you know, guys, that's the thing about that game, and I'm sure you guys discussed it, you know, just ad nauseum. But it wasn't the fact because I mean, just like any time you hear about teams like that winning, right? It's always like they hung around, they hung around, they hung around, and then they yeah. hit like a late, like, like <laughs> something happened, like maybe the best player on the Power Five team fouls out, and then some. But like Fort Hayes State was the better team we for got all forty. Right. They, they led. They led all forty minutes of the game. And they were up, I believe, with basically 19 points at one point in the second half. And it's just like, yeah. I couldn't believe what I was watching because I'm like, how? Yeah. And again, oh, no, by the way, I mean, all the other things we talked about in that game, guys, they were winless coming into that game, and they were missing their head coach and associate yeah. head coach. They were yeah. down like their third string guy yeah. coaching the team. I mean, yeah. I, I and really they haven't don't been great since then either. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, well, and I'm just, I just, I don't know how you literally could get worse than that. Like, I mean, right, unless. I mean, the thing that people always joke about, like, are on the beat, like, well, if the team of media members won a game against them, but I mean, <laughs> the media members would or, make well, 40 like minutes. in the words of Bill Self, if you lose to the, you lose to the guys at the Speak of YMCA, right? Good reference. Oh, um, man. That was that's good. A, that's a good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speak of YMCA. I'm, I'm sure the Speak of YMCA is a good <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So guys, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, interesting to see was... see what happens here down the stretch. You know, I, I I guess like I said, I I have been of the opinion, like I said, that there was nothing, literally nothing on the court that could happen 
that Bruce would, would get canned. But I, I just do think that, again, I didn't foresee them losing by 48 to Baylor. I didn't foresee them losing to Fort Hayes State in such an embarrassing manner. And I, like, I, just, I, just, I don't think, personally, there's just any way that you could – if they lose out, I don't see how you could bring them back. I don't see it. I mean, it, it would be it would be yeah. pretty – I mean, hey, I mean, I would love to see how, how, how Gene Taylor and, and the eight yeah. athletes aren't going to spin it because, man, that's – you're, I mean, you're do you think they would do something like with the Snyder situation where it's a retirement and maybe even he happens to get the, his buyout money or something? You know, I've, I've heard, like, what's funny, you know, Luke, I guess I've heard this conspiracy theory floated, right, is that that's what's going to happen is that Bruce is going to retire at the end of the season. I mean, he's not – I mean, he's. I mean, he certainly looks a lot more stressed and just not as – you know, yeah. upbeat. I mean, for obvious reasons. Right? I mean, when you're not winning, you're not going to be happy. But I mean, he certainly seems just not as not not the same maybe that I've seen in previous years. But I just want to say it's not like he's maybe dropped hints about like ah, uh, you know, like I go home and like he's not saying the kind of stuff. But sometimes you know when people start dropping hints about they're going to retire right. or leave, right. like, he hasn't done that. But I mean, if you're mm-hmm. talking about like what you're saying is a conspiracy theory about saving face, it's like oh, well, he didn't get fired or let go. He just decided to yeah. retire. But you know, guys, how which I still joke about is like what happened with Brad Hill was they didn't fire Brad Hill. They just didn't happen to renew his contract that was expiring when he was, you know, finishing last in the big 12, four out of five years in a row after that big 12 championship in 2012 or sorry, 2013, I guess. So I'm saying, I guess that is, that's a, that is possible. And I guess in a way that's maybe the only solution that would satisfy all parties, right, is that, you know, the people who are still big Bruce defenders would say, well, hey, he didn't get fired. The people who want him gone would say, well, he's gone. Thankfully, God, he's gone. And, you know, then you move on to the next (laughs) thing. But it will be – I mean, hey, I guess, you know, you can't rule anything out. So it's going to be very fascinating, like I said, just to see here in the next, you know, three weeks to a month kind of where all this goes. But I do think, hey, if he wins one game, I think we're, you know, it's a moot point. I think he'll be back. I think they yeah. they can win at least one, but losing out is where, okay, now you hit the you know you you hit the emergency glass <laughs> you know kind of button and we'll see kind of what what happens now because right. oof, yeah I mean things will, <laughs> things will be very crazy at that point. You know that that being said, you know I also I'm a firm believer that uh, any AD worth their salt is going to have a plan in place. They might not be making that mm-hmm. widely public publicly available, but. Regardless of what the outcome is this year, you you don't. I don't think you get rid of Bruce Weber unless you have a really good idea who's coming in. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. No, and I, and I I'm not going to go off on this long spiel like I did on a podcast. But I had made this comparison that you know Georgia's winning coach by winning percentage in football was Mark Rick, and I'm like, well, hey, if you're going to get rid of him, you know, hey, you better bring in somebody to be better. And, and to this point, Kirby Smart has been. But I think, like, it's the same thing here. Like you said, is that, well, hey, I mean, if you're going to get rid of Bruce for all of his faults and, you know, the things that haven't been positive, again, two big club titles, the Elite Eight, stuff that we've talked about. It's like, hey, I mean, what is – and, again, guys, you know, that's the thing maybe we didn't delve into at all, and I guess we've already talked for so long we maybe shouldn't get into it. But it's like it, it's just the whole thing. Like, what <laughs> what is acceptable for the state program, right? Is that, you know and – I, and I brought this up before. It's like, okay, I mean, would you not rather have – those Big 12 titles in the Elite Eight run, or would you literally rather be, okay, we make the tournament every year by finishing fourth, fifth, sixth in the conference, and then don't make it out of the first weekend? Is that is that fun? You know? I mean, I, I mean, hey, and to me, to me, that seems to be what K-State wants to be, and that's fine. That's like, to me, 
the most unfun team to cover. You know why, guys? That's like literally covering the eight and four bowl team every year. You never win big, and you never get completely terrible to the point where you fire the coach. But you got to do this. You punch the same bowl ticket every year, and there's just you know it just is what it is. Like that's to me that's no fun to cover a team that like again finishes in the middle of their conference every year, and they go and they don't get out of the first weekend of the tournament, and it's like okay now we're writing the same story every year. But again, hey guys, I'm biased because I'm just a reporter. I mean, I'm not the fan base. Like I guess if you want the consistency, sure. But for a reporter, yeah, I mean, I would much rather. I've gotten to cover what I did with the Elite Eight and stuff like that than, you know, to have covered four straight tournaments where they, they went one and done. Like, that's, that's just me, you know. And like I said, that, but, but that is the broader point. Like I'm saying, so would – I mean, it seems like K-State fans that I've seen on Twitter, guys, and maybe you're of the same vein, is that, you know, they would rather have the consistency of, like, of what Martin had, even though he didn't win at the level Bruce did, he never had the low lows that Bruce has had. That sounds fair? Is that kind of what – yeah, when you guys have an yeah. idea in your mind for an idea of what K-State should be, it should be what they were doing with Martin in terms of the winning percentage and whatnot. I think a lot of people that I think a lot of people that you might be talking to that have that kind of feeling are delusional about what they actually <laughs> want um, because they don't they don't want a team that finishes fourth. They want a team that they feel should be able to win the Big Twelve championship every year and should be in in plays for national titles and and everything like that and. I mean, the reality of the situation is that's damn near in a different book. Like we're, we're, we're not even on the same page. So, I mean, me personally, would I, would I sit there and say, okay, the two, the, the two big 12 titles that we have, would I trade, would I take a third or a fourth those years? So that, you know, last year and this year would be third or fourth, fifth. No, I wouldn't trade that. Give me the big 12 titles. You know, it's uh, that's exciting. That's something you can talk about. That's something you can be like, yeah, I was, uh, you know, that that was a really cool season to watch us go through and do that. Yeah, guys, you know, that's actually what I brought up in this other podcast. And I I just laughed my head off when I was thinking about it. I was like, and I could, I really, I literally, I think I'm like, you know, let's just think, guys, if you're on a team yourself, if you're on a team, like, and you, you know, you guys get together for the 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 reunion of the team, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, and you know. I mean, what do you guys, what would be more fun to reminisce about? Like, hey, guys, remember when we, you know, finished in the middle of the conference all four years and never won an NCAA tournament game? Or it's like, hey, guys, we had some low lows, but wasn't it fun to win a championship? Wasn't it fun to go to the Elite Eight? Like, come on, guys, let's be honest. Like, who, I mean, hey, all these K-State fans say, well, I just want the consistency of going to the tournament every year. And whether we go to the big, you know, go, we go to the Elite Eight or not, who cares? Like, how many people are talking about these teams that went nowhere in the NCAA tournament fondly? Like, oh, yeah, the 19 fill-in-the-blank <laughs> team that went one and done. That's the team that I remember so fondly. Who could ever forget when we went one and done in the tournament? Like, come on. Like, really? No, I mean, you would much rather remember, again, winning a Big 12 championship or, like I said, going to at least the Sweet 16. I mean, the Elite Eight, obviously, is a completely other level. But, like, I, I don't know. I just I just find it uh, I just find it funny that, again, you know, if you had the choice between let me make the tournament four straight years but never win a game, but, like, hey, you're going to win two Big 12 titles and go to the Elite Eight, but then you might have two really bad seasons. It's, it's crazy to me that you would pick the one where you don't win championships, but that's that's me. I, that's how I view it. Yeah, yeah. What do I know? I just I just love Bruce to death because I'm just trying to defend him. <laughs> right. but, but by the time we're done here, we're all going to. <laughs> so. 
Well, yeah, we like you said, Ryan, uh, we are running pretty long here, so yeah. <laughs> I suppose we should wrap this up. Always appreciate your insight. Obviously, you can check out Ryan's work on the Mercury, I think, just earlier today. You put out a kind of a deep dive into the losing streak and how the team feels like they're making progress. Definitely recommend people read that. I don't know if you got anything else coming up. I know people can follow you on Twitter, at Ryan A. Black. Anything else you want to promote? Not, not at the moment. I just appreciate you guys having me on and, and tolerating me for as long as you have on this uh, on the call. <laughs> oh, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Eric. Yep, not a problem. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Thompson. So, yeah.